0: A happy Sabbath to each and every one of you. It's a pleasure and blessing to be here with you. I normally don't like to fly on Fridays, but this past week I was in Cuba, and um, we had to accomplish certain things, so the flight was scheduled for Friday. Well, everything seemed to be working fine. We got into the plane. Seemed to be leaving on time to be able to arrive in St. Louis at 5 p.m. Brother Mike Cavanaugh, I sent him a message. Looks like everything's going to be fine. Can't remember how I sent it to him. But we went out to the runway, and the pilot announced that there's going to be a delay waiting out there. Could be an hour. And then, just before that hour was over, he says, I haven't heard anything yet. I don't know how long we'll have to be here. Well, we were out there almost two hours. And then he announced, we're going to have to go back to the gate. So then I said to myself, "Uh uh-oh, I wonder if this trip is going to be canceled. Almost thought of calling uh, Brother Terry Shelton to tell him, get ready just in case. But we went to the gate to refuel because they were going to reroute us. It's going to take us another 30 minutes or so to get in by that rerouting. In addition to that, they had to put additional fuel, and it was going to take, he said, I don't know how long it's going to take. There are other planes before us. All that to tell you that by God's grace, I think it was, uh, I can't remember the time, 11.30 at night we got in last night. Got up at 15 in the morning yesterday. So by God's grace, we are before you. I am reading to you the memory text, the scripture reading. It's from Revelation 22.12. And behold, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. I want to thank the... Person or persons that prepared the background, very appropriate. Thank you so much. Before we begin our study for today, the title of the message is, How to Know the End is Near. And we're going to share some things that will help you to be able to share with others. Things in the scriptures that help us understand that we are living in the time of the end and that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Before we do that, I'd like to invite you to pray. I'm going to kneel and ask you to pray for you and for me and ask the Lord to bless us with a message from heaven. Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we come before you once again in Jesus' name. And Lord, you know each and every person here and what they may be facing. We pray that you will speak to us. I place myself in your hands, Lord, and I ask that every word will come from your throne of grace. We pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit will be poured out. Bless us here and those that may be joining online and those that may hear this message at another time. We pray that you will help us to understand that we are living In the last days. And Jesus Christ is coming soon. We ask you for these blessings in the holy and blessed name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus came to this world to secure our salvation. And because he came to this world to secure our salvation which he did by dying on the cross, you and I have hope. Hope of a better life. I was sharing a couple of days ago with a taxi driver that was taking us to another city. I asked him, have you ever read the Bible? He said no. He was raised as a communist and didn't pay much attention or had no interest In the Bible. I said, may I read a scripture to you? I thought he was going to say no. But he said yes. So I read to him from the book of Corinthians. And it said, if in this world only we have hope, we are men most miserable. But we have hope in the soon return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he will put an end to all suffering. Would you say amen to that? Praise the Lord. In John chapter 14, verses 1, 2, and 3, Jesus made this promise. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If they were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Praise the Lord. How many want to be where Jesus is? Would you raise your hand? Praise the Lord. That's the promise of Jesus. He went to prepare a place for us so that we could be with him. And where Jesus is, there's peace. Where Jesus is, there's hope. Where Jesus is, there's joy unspeakable. Amen. In 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 56, we have these words. Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel. According to all that he promised, there has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. Praise the Lord. What the Lord does is when he promises something, he will fulfill. And Jesus said, I will come again and receive you to myself. He will fulfill that promise and very soon. So I encourage you to consider that we are living In the very last days. But how do we know we're living in the last days? Are there any evidence, any scriptures, anything in the Bible that help us to understand that we that live today are living in the last days? Because I can tell you, people have been preaching, perhaps for hundreds of years, Jesus is coming soon. But how do we know that we are close to that time? One of the places you can go is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we are beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ Had come. It seems to be there's a hint here that people were circulating things that appeared to come from Paul or any of the others that were not true. So don't be shaken in mind, he says, that either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Now he says, Verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless, what? The falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. And what does he do? Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits. As God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So Paul is helping the believers during that time not to consider that Christ was coming until a falling away. What does it mean, a falling away? That means that you are walking in the path of the Lord, serving the Lord, but you fall away. You get off the path. And there was a falling away coming. And then he says that an individual, a system would come that the Bible calls the man of sin, the son of perdition. And this system, this individual opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God Or that is worshipped. Does that remind you uh, a little bit, at least, about Lucifer, who wanted to be above God, to wanted to be in control, who wanted to have power over every living thing? Now I bring to you from Great Controversy, page three hundred and eighty-four, the following words: What was the origin of the great apostasy. How did the church first depart from the simplicity of the gospel? By conforming to the practices of paganism, to facilitate the acceptance of Christianity by the heathen. The apostle Paul declared, even in his day, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. So even in the days of Paul, That system was already beginning. It was uh, forming. And there's a letter. I didn't uh, find it for you. That the bishops were in different cities. And the bishop of Rome sent a, a message to the bishops in Jerusalem and the bishops in other cities and said... It was around the year 160-something. And he said, if you don't observe the Easter on the day that we tell you, I am going to excommunicate you. They answered back and said, we do not recognize your authority. We will worship according to the way the Lord tells us. So already back then, uh, the individual there at Rome was beginning to consider himself above the others. Why? Because he was at the capital of Rome. So let's go back and consider the phrase, the son of perdition. This is mentioned twice in the scriptures. In John 17... Verse 11 and 12, it says, Jesus says, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the Son Of perdition that the scripture may be fulfilled. Question. Who is it talking about here? Judas. Yes. Jesus called Judas the son of perdition. Now, who was Judas? He was a disciple. What kind of characteristics do we see in Judas? Well, if you consider Judas, he was a disciple. He betrayed Jesus Christ. He allowed himself to be used by Satan. In other words, he identified with the desires of the devil to do harm and to stop the preaching of the gospel. This Jesus, this, and this person, a person with this characteristic, he calls the son of perdition. And when you consider the power mentioned in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2... All these characteristics are there as well. Does he betray Christ? Yes. Has he persecuted Christ followers? Yes. Has he done anything to oppose the preaching of the gospel? For a period of time, Bibles were taken away. And those who did not bow to the authority were put to death. So yes, those characteristics are there. So the son of perdition declared to be also the man of sin, and as we looked at in 2 Thessalonians, verse 3. Let's look at more characteristics in 2 Thessalonians as we continue in verse 5. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6. And now you know what is restraining. That he may be revealed in his own time. So at this particular point, there are two things I want to mention. The Apostle Paul was mentioning that something was restraining the man of sin from being revealed. And that he would be revealed in his own time. So Paul himself saw that something... Was preventing the man of sin from being revealed. And that in the time that man of sin would be revealed. And now consider verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. We do not have time to go, in, to go into every aspect of this. Let's move to verse 8. Notice on more characteristics. And the lawless one, and the King James Version says, that wicked one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Question Do you see here that this man of sin, notice that he will be destroyed when? When? Jesus Christ returns with the brightness of his coming. Even Paul, when he wrote this, did not fully understand this. Because this man of sin would be around till the time of the end. Because it says here, the Lord would destroy him with the brightness of his coming. And when you put together these scriptures in uh, Revelation 13, where it says this power receives a deadly wound. But eventually... That wound is what? Healed. Healed. And we are in the time when that wound is healing. Already the world is wondering after the beast. Do you follow? If you do, say amen. 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 So let's move then to uh, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power... Signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteousness, unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So this verse tells us they have the opportunity to receive the love of the truth, but chose not to. So we see here information that helps us understand who this man of sin is. So we see that, brothers and sisters, we are living in the time of the end. Has the man of sin been revealed? Yes, we can look at history and see that he came into power. We see that he persecuted the saints and that this system did everything the Bible uh, up to that point, thus far, that the Bible described Look at uh, Revelation 13, for example, Uh, but let's go now to Daniel chapter 7 and begin reading in verse 23 to see some more details about the lawless one. It says, thus he said, the fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and trample it and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the most high. I don't have we don't have time to go into those uh, descriptions and showing you the evidence of that. But I think you have heard this in the past. Pastor Loma Kang and others have preached this. Would you say amen to that? Amen. A few of you have heard it. (laughs) It says here, He shall persecute the saints of the Most High. And notice, And shall intend to change times and laws. This speaks concerning the effort of the papacy to move the seventh day, Sabbath, to say that it's Sunday, the first day, that Christians should be keeping holy. And it says there, then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. So, additional information is given to us that we can put together a very clear picture of this system that will be revealed, the son of perdition. And it is after this uh, man of sin that is revealed that Christ can come. Do you understand? Say amen. All right. Let's move quickly then. It said there time and times and half a time. The Bible mentions this in different ways. Uh, for example, in Revelation 11, verse 3, and Revelation 12, verse 6, we are not looking those up. It mentions this time as 1,260 days, equivalent to years. In Revelation 11, verse 2, it calls this time period 42 months, all equivalent to one thousand two hundred and sixty days. Also in Revelation 13 verse 5 it mentions 42 months. So time, times and half a time, which is three and a half times, also mentioned in Daniel 725, Daniel 12, 7, and Revelation 1214. All this means this is prophetic time. It means 1260 years. And the papal system came into power Dominion in the year 538 AD to the year 1798 AD. If you have heard this before, raise your hand. Very good. The majority of you. Praise the Lord. So we see then that for reference to a day equals a year, you can go to Numbers chapter 14, verse 34. In Ezekiel chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. So we are talking about 538 to 1798, also known as the Dark Ages. 538 to 1798. So this time, when the falling away would take place, is referenced in history as well. It is called the Dark Ages. Because Christians had to hide from persecution. And so, brothers and sisters, we are living in the time of the end, past the time already when the man of sin has been revealed and the day of the Lord is coming upon us. Amen to that? Amen. Amen. Now, it is interesting to note that there is a message in the book of Daniel That helps us to to see that the Christians living before us, before even 1798, did not fully understand this. They did not comprehend this as we are able to because of the words we find, uh, for example, in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. Let's go to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. There in the book of Daniel, you see information concerning the fourth kingdom. The Bible predicts in Daniel chapter 2, four world kingdoms that will dominate the majority of the world. And uh, in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, it says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until when? The time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. This verse about knowledge shall uh, shall be increased has been used to say that uh, science would, scientific developments, and things like this. But this also means knowledge shall increase in the holy scriptures. And so let's go over here to uh, Daniel chapter twelve verse eight. Daniel chapter twelve verse eight. Notice what Daniel says. Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And Daniel is told in verse 9. And he said, go your way, Daniel. For the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Daniel did not have the privilege To understand fully what he was writing about. This was left for us. This is a message for us. Living in this time period. That can look at it. Read it. Understand it. And know the coming of our Lord is near. And notice then. Notice here in verse 10. uh, Many shall be purified and made white. And refined. But the wicked Shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Daniel did not have the privilege to understand these things. Wonderful as they were, these leaders, uh, John the Baptist, Paul, the disciple John that wrote the book of Revelation. He did not fully understand these things and the time prophecies to be able to leave a message for us that would help us understand The Lord in his time would reveal this to his children. And beginning in the year, around 1800s, God's people began to read the book of Daniel. And he opened their understanding. Remember when disciples were walking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus? And they were confused. What does this mean? And they were sad. And Jesus asked, why are you so sad? What's going on? And they said, where have you been? Don't you know about Jesus, a man full of uh, the Holy Spirit and great power? And uh, he's been killed. And then the Bible says that Jesus saw to them, O fools and slow of heart to understand all that the prophets have spoken. And the Bible says he opened their understanding. Praise the Lord. Do you want the Lord to open your understanding? I do. He opened your understanding. And he began. He says, beginning with Moses, he began to share with them concerning what would happen with the Messiah. And they says, their heart burned within them. We need that experience. We need to approach the Lord and ask him, Lord, help us. Help me to understand these things that are not clear. The Lord even invites us. Ask me concerning the latter days. The Lord wants to share with his people. There are some things that the Lord will wait. But if you ask him, he will help you understand those things in the scriptures that are difficult to understand. And beginning in 1800s. It's the Lord opening the understanding of God's people. And they began to understand the prophecies of Daniel. And they could see clearly that what Daniel said, what is written in Revelation. They could look at history and see, oh, fulfilled. Fulfilled. They found the dates. Fulfilled. One of these individuals was William Miller. There are many others that... uh, Uh, Lacunza, many others were studying in different places in the world, all arriving to the same conclusion. Jesus Christ is coming soon. And they thought, uh, concerning the prophecy of Daniel chapter 8 verse 14. uh, We should read that. Daniel chapter 8 and uh, verse 14. I'm jumping ahead of myself, but let's go to Daniel chapter 8 verse 14. It says there, and he said to me, For 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Miller and others thought this meant that the earth was the sanctuary and the earth will be cleansed with fire. And that Jesus Christ would come, first Miller thought, in 1843. And he did not come. They researched the scriptures again and they said, no, wait. We calculated wrong the beginning. It was uh, it's supposed to be 1844. And they began to preach that Jesus would come in 1844. But unfortunately, they were mistaken about the beginning. I mean, about the event. They did not understand that this meant that Jesus was moving from the holy place in heaven to the most holy place in heaven. This occurred in October of 1844. We are able to look back and understand these things, and we benefit from the things they have studied. And God has left us a clear message that we are living in the time of the end. Take a look at the the book of Revelation, chapter 10. Revelation, chapter 10. In Revelation, chapter 10, we see here a message that helps us to see that the time would come when the book of Daniel would be opened. And it says, remember that it says that the book would be sealed until the time of the end. In Revelation 10, it says, beginning in verse 1, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. And he had a little book open in his hands. What kind of book? A little book. A little book open in his hands. So this, brothers and sisters, is talking about a little book in the Old Testament. And when you begin to look at the Old Testament, there are some long books. The book of Genesis has some, how many chapters? Somebody? Book of Genesis, how many chapters? Fifty chapters. And you can see uh, that when you start thinking about little books, there are a few little books. Like the book of Joel and, uh, and others. Now, Daniel is a little book by comparison. When you compare it to Isaiah, Jeremiah, Genesis, the book of Psalms, it's a small book. But how many of the little books are stated to be closed and sealed? Only one book. Is stated in the Old Testament to be closed and sealed till the time of the end. This is pointing to the book of Daniel. And so if a book is open, it means that at one time it was what? Closed. But now the little book is open. And it says in verse 2, he had a little book in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Meaning that this is a message for the whole world. Over land and sea. This angel has a message for the whole world. And it says in verse 3, and he cried with a loud voice. Why do people cry with a loud voice? Because they want to be heard. That's right. When you talk with a loud voice, you want to be heard. And this angel is crying with a loud voice. And he said, as when a lion roars. And when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. How many want to know what the seven thunders mean? Praise the Lord. The Lord will reveal this in his time. Now, um, we are only able to read up to verse 3 in Revelation chapter 10. We have to move quickly. Let's talk about, uh, when, you t- when you talk about a Seventh-day is having a Bible prophecy series, one of the things they begin with is what? Daniel, Daniel chapter 2. What do we have in Daniel chapter 2? Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and he sees a statue, and the statue had what? Gold and what? Silver and what? Bronze and what? (laughs) Yes, the four world kingdoms. And I want to take you to Daniel chapter 2, verse 40. Daniel chapter 2, beginning in verse 40. The book of Daniel helps us to understand that there will be four world kingdoms, Babylon, Babylon, Middle Persia, Greece, and Rome. And Rome, which includes uh, civil Rome or empirical Rome and papal Rome. Daniel chapter 2, verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron. Inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw their f- the feet and toes... Partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with With the ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere one to another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days, now notice verse 44, and in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will what? Set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand... Forever. And brothers and sisters, we're looking at history. We read about history. We are down to the tolls. We are living in the time of the end. And these ten kingdoms, these ten kingdoms or the the ten nations represented by the tolls, are here today. They have tried to mix, they have tried to join, but they cannot. Because the Bible says iron does not mix with clay. Now, I want to take you to Daniel chapter 2, verse 34. Notice here. You watched while a stone was cut out with hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Where did the stone hit? On the feet. It did not hit the head. So Christ could not come. During Babylon's time, it didn't hit the chest, didn't hit the legs, hit the toes, I mean the feet. This is the time we're living in when the Lord is getting ready to set up a kingdom for us. Amen to that. So brothers and sisters, we are living in the time of the end. Now I want you to please consider Daniel chapter 8 verse 14 again. And he said to me, for 2,300 days, which are equivalent to years, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. We are living in the, what is called the antitypical day of atonement. And we're going to come back to that. And I want to read to you first from uh, the Great Controversy, page 356. The Apostle Paul warned... The church not to look for the coming of Christ in his day. That day shall not come, he says, except there come a falling away first and a man of sin be revealed. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Not till after the great apostasy and the long period of the reign of the man of sin can we look for the advent of our Lord. The man of sin, which is also styled, the mystery of iniquity, the son of perdition, and that wicked, represents the papacy, which is foretold in prophecy, was to maintain its supremacy for 1,260 years. This period ended in 1798. The coming of Christ could not take place before that time. Paul covers with his caution the whole Of the Christian dispensation down to the year 1798. It is this side of that time that the message of Christ's second coming is to be proclaimed. We are to be proclaiming the message of the soon return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the majority of you are called, are members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, what does the word that Advent means? It means the return of, the coming of. We believe that Jesus Christ is coming soon. And it is high time that we begin to proclaim and live according to that song that we have sung for so long. That says... Lift up the trumpet. Sing loud. Let it ring. Jesus is coming again. We have to preach it and live it. We have to live as Jesus Christ is coming soon. We need to regain that passion. And live in that hope. Live in anticipation that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Amen. Proclaim it, ye hilltops. Jesus Christ is coming again. And now, let's move quickly to Revelation 14, verse 6 and 7. Revelation 14, 6 and 7. Now, it may be on the screen. But if you are looking in your Bible, if you found this, say Amen. Okay, we have at least two witnesses. We began to read. <laughs> then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and the springs of waters. This, this movement, the Advent movement, that is supposed to proclaim the three angels' messages of Revelation 14. It's a movement that arises in the end of time. In the time of the end. You see, it is It is in a specific time in history that the message that that it says there, uh, the hour of his judgment has come. Paul could not preach the hour of his judgment has come because the time had not come. We are the ones, really beginning in the 1800s, that can preach the hour of his judgment has come. What judgment is it talking about? It is talking about the investigative judgment. The judgment that takes place before Christ returns. We read the scripture, Revelation 22, verse 12. He says, behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. This means that when he's coming, the decision has been made because he is coming to reward everyone according as his work shall be. So there is a time of investigation. Who has accepted the message of salvation? Who has desired to be part of God's kingdom? An investigation takes place. It starts with the judgment of those that have died, beginning with Adam. And eventually it would move to the time of the living. So the message, the hour of his judgment has come It's a message that has to be proclaimed to every nation, kindred, and tongue, and people. We are to preach the three angels' messages. And I am going to submit to you that God raised up three angels' broadcasting network to give an impulse, to give a a push for the three angels' messages to be preached to the whole world. What was the message that God gave to Danny Shelton? I want you to build me a television station, one that will reach the world with the undiluted three angels' messages. One that will counteract the counterfeit. Have you read Revelation 14, 6 through 12 lately? Have you read a little further down? In the following verses, in Revelation chapter, I'm going to skip some parts here because of time. In Revelation chapter um, 14, if you continue reading, you will notice, let me look that up really quick. Revelation 14, you will notice that there is revealed that the time would come when the Lord There it is. Uh, Revelation 14, verse 14 and 15. Revelation 14, verse 14 and 15. Notice, this is mentioned after the three angels' messages are are, uh, revealed in Revelation 14. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Praise the Lord. Amen. So the preaching of the three angels' messages, what follows is the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what follows. In Great Controversy, page 355, we have these words. No such message has ever been given in the past ages. Paul, as we have seen, did not preach it. He pointed his brethren into the then far distant future for the coming of the Lord. The reformers did not proclaim it. Martin Luther placed a judgment about 300 years in the future from his day. But since 1798, the book of Daniel has been unsealed. Knowledge of the prophecies has increased. And many have proclaimed the solemn message of the judgment being near. Praise the Lord. So brothers and sisters, we are living in the last days. We are living in the antitypical day of atonement. And this is why we must read Leviticus chapter 16, beginning in verse 29. Leviticus 16, verse 29. Please pay close attention to these words. This is talking about the day of atonement. And it says, this shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls. You shall what? "...afflict your souls, and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day the priest, the priest shall make atonement for you, to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statute forever." Please understand that the people of Israel on the day of atonement, while the priest was ministering in the most holy place, were outside praying. Praying because it was a time when the most holy place was cleansed from all the sins. The people were in solemn silence and prayer afflicting their souls. Because, and anyone that did not confess their sins, and did not participate in afflicting their souls, what would happen to them? They were cast out. We are living in solemn time of the world's history. This is not the... Typical day of atonement, this is the anti-typical, this is the real thing taking place. Christ is cleansing, doing the final cleansing of the heavenly sanctuary. And we must take serious our salvation. And spend time praying to the Lord, afflicting our souls. Lord, I want to be pure. Lord, I want to be holy. I want to be ready for the coming of my my Lord. How many of us are spending time in prayer? If you are just praying for your breakfast, your lunch, and your dinner, and that's all the praying you do, it is not enough. It is not enough. We must spend time in close communion with the Lord. Select time to pray. Look for the Lord. We are to Search the Lord with all of our heart. If you only search the Lord for a blessing upon your breakfast, lunch, and dinner, this is not enough. We need to pray more. How many would say amen to that? Amen. We need to pray more. And brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is coming soon. Notice Great Controversy, page 425. While the investigative judgment is going forward in heaven. While the sins of the penitent believers are being removed from the sanctuary. There is to be a special work of purification. Of putting away sin among God's people upon the earth. This work is more clearly presented in the messages of Revelation 14. So, While Jesus Christ is ministering in the most holy place in heaven, what are we to be doing? Putting away sin from our lives. Looking at how, Lord, can I cooperate with you to be purified. So I may be blameless, holy, and undefiled. This is the work. That by God's grace, we are to cooperate with Jesus that it may be accomplished in our lives. Putting away sin. If you are able to spend a moment in prayer and understand, oh, this has to go. This has to go. This has to go. Cooperate with the Lord. He wants to do this for your own good, for your salvation. Let us cooperate with the Lord. How many want to cooperate with the Lord? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I read to you from Matthew chapter 24, verses 32 to 35. Matthew 24, 32 to 35. In the book of Matthew 24, there are signs. Jesus was asked, what shall be the sign of your coming? So you can read Matthew 24 to get an understanding of some of those signs. Now learn this parable, verse 32, from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near. How close? At the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass pass away. So the signs that we see in uh, Matthew 24 help us to understand the coming is near even at the door. So you have this falling away that is an indication that we're living in the time of the end. You have also the signs of, of Matthew chapter 24. You have this the book of Daniel being sealed that is open that Helps us understand that we're living at the time of the end. You have all these things to help us understand that Jesus Christ is coming soon. You have also Daniel 8.14 that tells us that Jesus Christ has moved from the holy place to the most holy place to do do the final cleansing of God's people. And there is one sign that talks about about the nearness of time that is more. Let's read it. Matthew 24.14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Brothers and sisters, unlike ever before, we have more tools to preach the gospel than ever before. Paul, the great preacher the Lord used, He didn't have radio. He didn't have television. What do you think Paul would be doing if there was radio and television his time? Oh, he would be on that radio. He would be on that television. He would be preaching the everlasting gospel on radio and television. In Paul's time, you didn't have the fast printing presses we have today. If there were, Paul would have raised some money. Let's print as many Bibles as we can. Let's print as many Bible study and tracts and things that help people understand that Jesus Christ is our Savior and that he's coming soon. Paul would be doing that. So would the disciples. Brothers, we have these tools, brothers and sisters. We have more tools than ever before. And who would have thought, let's say 30 years ago, 50 years ago, that there would be a tool that every Everyone would have access to. Well, almost everyone. Who would have thought that anyone from their house could turn on a phone and some application and potentially reach millions of people? Internet. And my wife Idalia has shown me some people that. That go on the internet and I look, what? Sixty thousand views? An individual just there doing some cooking or or, or doing some, some makeup things. I said, all these people or people selling stuff. There are people selling stuff and they hundreds of people. I said, anybody can do this. So I will say to you, ask the Lord for the outpouring. Of the Holy Spirit, can you imagine if God's people will surrender their hearts to the Lord and say, "Lord, here I am; I am willing to receive the latter rain. Here I am, Lord. Pour out Your Holy Spirit upon me, that You may use me." Can you imagine the impact? It could have a upon people all over the world. Children can get on the Internet and preach the everlasting gospel. This is an incredible time that we're living in. Jesus Christ is coming soon. In a way, I'm thankful He has not come yet. Because I see that it's in His mercy that He has not yet come. Because he doesn't want any to perish. I have brothers, I have sisters, friends that are walking as though they don't care. But brothers brothers and sisters, we need to awake and see the opportunities the Lord has laid for us to share the gospel. I encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do so that I may help others? Find Jesus. You know, the love of the Lord is beyond our understanding. I even ask, if Jesus Christ would have come 10 years ago, would you have been saved? How many of you would say, if Jesus would have come 10 years ago, I would have been saved? I see a few hands. Praise the Lord. But maybe some of us were not walking with the Lord. And maybe we can't say that. Maybe, how about last year? Would you say that if the Lord would have come last year, I would have been ready and go with him forever. A few hands are here. Praise the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we are in the time of preparation. Let us all prepare for the soon return of our Lord and Savior. Some of us may go through difficult times. One of these individuals was Job. Job 19, verse 25 to 27. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. Whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another another how my heart yearns within me. Does your heart yearn for the soon return of our Lord and Savior? He was going through a crisis. He was going through a difficult time. But yet, I know my Redeemer lives. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is coming soon. And I say to you, whatever you're going through, Consider the words of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 through 37. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, of patience, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet, a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Praise the Lord. I'm reading to you from Evangelism 194. This is the time we're living in. The present time, the present is a time of overwhelming interest to all living. Rulers and statesmen, men who occupy positions of trust and authority, thinking men and women of all classes, have their attention fixed upon the events taking place about us. They are watching the relations that exist among the nations. They observe the intensity that is taking possession of every earthly element. And they recognize that something great and decisive is about to take place. That the world is on the verge of a stupendous crisis. Is that true? This is true. There are wars and rumors of wars. Economy is going crazy. Crazy. I, I was just in Cuba. People were are just finding a way to leave the country because it's so difficult there. And people are looking to go somewhere else where they than other uh, some other place. Jesus Christ is coming soon. We are living in solemn times. I read finally to you from Manuscript. 32A, 1896. It's also found in the book Evangelism. The Lord wants all to understand His providential dealings now. Just now, in the time in which we live, there must be no long discussions presenting new theories in regard to the prophecies which God has already made plain. Now the great work from which the mind should not be diverted is the consideration of our Personal safety in the sight of God are our feet on the rock of ages? Are your feet on the rock of ages? Are we hiding ourselves in our only refuge? The, the storm is coming, relentless in his fury. Are we prepared to meet it? Are we one with Christ? As he is one with the Father. Are we heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ? Are we working in cooperation, co-partnership with Christ? These are questions that you should ponder and ask yourself. Am I one with Christ? If you're not one with Christ, if you see there are things to get rid of, in a moment, we will have prayer. And I encourage you to take the opportunity. There's a song that we used to sing in Spanish that I like to read the words to you. There's an English version. I haven't heard it sung in a long, long time. And the song is entitled, Are You Ready for Jesus to Come? Here are the words. The theme of the Bible is Jesus and how he died to save men. The plan of salvation assures us he's coming back again. Are you ready for Jesus to come? Are you faithful in all that you do? Have you fought a good fight? Have you stood for the right? Have others seen Jesus in you? Are you ready to stand in your place? Are you ready to look his face? Look in his face. Can you look up and say, this is my God. Are you ready for Jesus to come? Don't cling to the world and its pleasure. Don't cling to the world and its treasure. The earth will soon pass away. Oh, give him your love without measure. He's calling you today. Are you ready for Jesus to come? Are you faithful in all that you do? Have you fought a good fight? Have you stood for the right? Have others seen Jesus in you? So I ask you, how many of you are willing by standing to say, I want to be ready for Jesus to come? Praise the Lord. I want to be ready for Jesus to come. I want for others to see Jesus in me. I encourage you, cooperate with Jesus in the putting away of sin from your life. That you may be ready to look in his face and say, "Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. Amen. Let us pray together. If it is possible for you to kneel and you would like to join me, let us pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, how great is your love. How wonderful and beyond description is your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we are among those that are willing to be saved and are willing to come to repentance. And, Lord, your children have indicated by standing that they want to be ready for the soon return of our Savior. We ask, Lord, I ask that you will help them in their preparation and in cooperation with you to put away sin and cooperate with you while the work of Jesus, our high priest, is taking place. We ask for a complete cleansing from our sins. And we pray that your promise will be fulfilled in 1 John 1 and verse 9. That if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us for our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do this marvelous work, Lord, we ask. And Lord, we pray for your name to be honored and glorified in our lives. We ask you. In the holy and blessed name of Jesus, amen.